Church family, how great it is to see you. Um, as we get going, I'm just going to invite you to join with me in prayer if you're comfortable. Let's ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be kept safe in your fold as we hear your voice. Uh, Lord, I just hope that they see you today uh, and are struck by your beauty once again, that they're guided and protected by the words that we share. Uh, Lord, accomplish the purpose for which you send this word in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, do you have a good 4th of July? Maybe you saw some fireworks. Uh, does anyone think that they saw the best display of fireworks? All right, all right. Um, I, I saw a few in the news uh, this past week that uh, one of the fireworks displays was unintentional. I heard of a fireworks storehouse getting caught on fire, and uh, here it is, which as a kid, you know, I'd be kind of excited by the concept as an adult, like I know it's dangerous. But one of the things that I recognize is that, like, this was not as spectacular as what I might have hoped it would be with all those fireworks. Uh, for my money, I do believe that the new Lennox fireworks are awesome. Um, I, I love how long that they last. I love that they have the loud booms at the end. I think all of them do. And, and my favorites um, are, are the ones that cascade, the, the sparkling cascade fireworks that come out kind of like a tree branch, right? Just falling down from the sky. But you think you have something good until you see something better. I don't know, did anyone else watch the Macy's fireworks display? I thought New Lenox were good, but then I saw what was going on in New York, how they have sparklers cascading from the Brooklyn Bridge. I heard that over 70,000 rounds were used this past year. And so while I love New Lenox fireworks, maybe they weren't up to par with that. Well, I bring this up because of what we do in life and, and just to state a principle we work off, uh, that when it comes to life, comparison is what helps us determine what is better and what is best. We do this with food. I am a fan of Chipotle burritos. They, they are the standard. So when I have any other Mexican food, I'm always, you know, judging it based on the standard, which is Chipotle. Anyone else? Or maybe you've done this with a team you were involved in. You think that your team is really good. You think they really got a shot this year. But then you play that team with that pitcher and those hitters, right? Not so good by comparison. We do this all the time when it comes to all the possessions that we have. I, I thought I had a nice car, but whoa, new trailblazer. I thought I had a nice house, but whoa, HGTV, right? And, and it helps us determine, again, what, what, what I have compared to what is maybe better and, and what is best. Well, the reason I bring this up is because we've gathered to talk about spiritual things, most of all. And what's interesting is you can have a lot of different spiritual experiences, right? And what we kind of want to determine today is what's the difference between bad, good, and best. See, we're getting into this series, and Jesus is going to say, I am the good shepherd. But he says it in comparison to all the other shepherds out there, namely the Pharisees, namely the religious leaders at the time. And what we get to determine, again, is the difference between good, better, and best. And just to tip off, I do believe that when we look at Jesus, he's the Macy's fireworks. And then there's no comparison when every other, even good pastor, is compared. That he's the standout. He can wow you every time, no matter the comparison. 
But can I tell you why I think this is worth the price of your attention? Why I think this is an important topic? It is important because I don't know if this relates to you at all or, or you know someone, but a bad church experience is common. Do you know what I'm saying? A bad church experience, unfortunately, as a leader of a church, is way too common in my mind. I recognize this. Uh, Fourth of July, we went to the Mokina Parade. Anyone go to the Mokina Parade? Uh, sat down next to a gentleman, and we get to talking. And it uh, comes up that I'm a pastor, and my tagline to talk about spiritual things is, do you have a church home? So feel free to use that. It works every time. Do you have a church home? And he got into his story. It's very relatable and, and honestly pretty common. Uh, told me that he had background in Catholicism, but then he was very quick to bring up the Catholic scandals and how it seems to him that they even tried to, you know, intentionally, you know, get away with things, intentionally put things under the rug. And, and I could sense a very big distrust in church leadership and a big come back to a church. Now, do you relate to this at all? Sometimes it hits a little too close to home that we can have bad church experiences because of bad shepherds. And let me humbly clear the air. To clear the air, there has been sin done in the name of Jesus. And it's not right. Historically speaking, you can look at the Crusades. And it was never in God's heart that you should go out and kill people in the name of Jesus, taking back land or trying to convert people. If anyone gives off that impression of Christianity, that is not Christianity. But we don't have to look historically, do we? It's, it's not only Catholic scandals. I remember it was Easter two years ago where a pastor that I admired looked up to named Bill Hybels made the front page news. And Bill Hybels, who led this church called Willow Creek, was ousted because of a potential scandal. And I'm not saying I have all the facts, all the details, but if there was immorality going on, it is right that he's no longer in that position. Another one I heard of was James McDonald. I don't know how many of you have heard of Walk in the Word. It's a program you can hear on AM radio recently ousted, potentially that he mismanaged money, that there was some fraud involved, uh, that, that again, he was giving a bad impression for the good shepherd. Now, I'm really glad I'm not a pastor, otherwise this talk would be really awkward. <laughs> this is a message that I think relates a lot, but I, I got to tell you, I approach it with a great deal of humility. And one of the reasons is because I know all my imperfections and flaws. A, a pastor's not a perfect person. Just, he's just like you. Uh, needs love, forgiveness, and grace. And, um, and yet what I do recognize is that I'm not above the position I hold. That, that scripture calls pastors to a higher level. And when they don't meet that, they no longer have the right to be in that position. In 1 Timothy, if you want to know what, what Scripture calls leaders in the church to be about, it says that an overseer should be, can you say this with me, the, 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 the yellow? They should be above reproach. Now, now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean perfect. You're not going to find a perfect pastor. But it does mean that they have a good re reputation, 
that they're not uh, seen, whether it be with sexual immorality, whether it be with fraud and theft, or all these things very publicly, uh, they don't have right for that position anymore. I've walked with some great men, um, those who, uh, when, when even their family had committed something, they didn't do anything. They handed in their resignation if the church wanted it because they knew they had to be above reproach, even though it wasn't about them. They understood the primary nature of this role. So with that, sometimes people ask, Sir, what can I pray for you about? My prayer is that I would be a shining light to the degree that I could be um, because of the influence and the platform that I have. That, that I'd more and more point people to the greatest shepherd, Jesus, and in my walk, shine like him. But there's also one thing that I wanted to share with you as I pastor your soul, <laughs> and that is this foundational truth. If you've ever been with a bad shepherd in a moment or for a while, they do not reflect the good shepherd. That your bad church experience does not reflect the heart of God for you. That what you saw was wrong was wrong. There's no condoning. There is only a because sometimes sin happens in the name of Jesus and sin happens even in the church. And church is a family where again you, you forgive and go along, but you also call a spade a spade. And bad activity doesn't represent the good shepherd. So what is the good shepherd all about? That's what I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, so we get to hear Jesus in his own words. And he again is setting up this comparison over how he shepherds versus the bad shepherds. Let's get into it. Uh, scripture for today is John chapter 10. Uh, we're going to read the whole thing here, and then we're going to dig in uh, this morning. Uh, so here it is. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is the command I received from my Father. These are really great truths. Can you play along with me? Our turn to our neighbor's statement today is, Jesus is not bad. Isn't that bad? Yeah. If, if you want to, you could participate with that. If you forego that and you're just like, pastor's, too far. That's fine. Okay. Yep. All right. Because we're sheep. Did you get it? Okay. Yep. 
Uh, as we get uh, going in the Word of God, uh, I, I want to start off by saying, you know, we, we sometimes need to test uh, how fruit is ripe and how fruit is unripe. And, and maybe you know the signs. Uh, I hate eating uh, fruit that's either unripened or past its point. And, and particularly bananas are troublesome, right? Bananas have the shelf life of what, a day, right? Because we know that if it's too green, it's going to be bitter and a little bit hard and like crunchy bananas. No one wants crunchy bananas. Um, and if it's brown, it's probably bruised on the inside, way too mushy, way too sweet, um, and, and so yellow. We want yellow, maybe a little browning, but not a lot. That's right. Now, does anyone know how to judge uh, pineapple? Um, can anyone tell me which one is the ripe pineapple? Uh, raise your hands for this one. Okay. This one. And this one. I actually side with this one. Um, uh, a pineapple should show some yellow. I have a fear that this one is going to be a little brown on the inside, especially around the edges, uh, where if you cut off the rind of this, you're going to get that nice, ripened pineapple. That's important if you're going to become a new member. Get a pineapple. Look for um, Recently, we've tried to upgrade to superfruits, so we got a mango. Mangoes are really hard. Uh, mangoes, by the way, you don't want to bite them because they're in the family of poison oak and poison ivy. And you can get something called mango mouth, which doesn't sound fun. It's a, a numbing uh, that happens to your mouth. Kids, don't try this at home. Now I've just tempted them, right? Um, anyway. Um, but mangoes are really hard because you have to smell them, and, and, and they should smell sweet, and that's how you should know. And then my mind, after I was reading the internet, like, as compared to what? Like an unsweetened fruit? Anyway, so good luck with mangoes, um, but, but we do this all the time, trying to judge, you know, what is right, what is wrong, and go from there. I bring this up because as we've explored already, God is setting up a comparison. There is something really good and there's something really bad, and today he wants to give you a tip-off if you're having a bad church experience with a bad shepherd. The first thing he tells us is that the bad shepherds are those who are thieves and robbers. So maybe their problem is how they handle green. Um, I recently heard of church leadership gone astray uh, because I heard of a family who was sued by the Catholic Church for not paying their tithe. Have you heard of something like this? In the name of Jesus, I want to say that is wrong. If you've been sued for not giving money to the Lord, that is dead wrong. And some of you might know that when it comes to giving, giving is a get-to-do, not a have-to-do. That we can honor God with our first fruits and see how he responds lovingly and graciously each time. We also have the sense that if a pastor gives off the impression he's only in the business, so to speak, for prosperity or for money, this is the wrong kind of pastor. It's a reason why some have fell. Mark Driscoll got in trouble in Seattle for using some money for his book sales. James McDonald, the, the theory goes over the same thing, mishandling money. So what should a good shepherd look like? Well, 1 Peter tells us. 1 Peter says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. You should get this impression that a pastor is not in it for the money. A pastor would want to serve Jesus regardless. Now, there's a flip side to this equation. In Catholicism, there is the vow of celibacy and also the vow of poverty that some promote should also be taken when it comes to pastors. 
this also isn't necessarily true. Uh, the Bible also says that if you do the important work of spiritual care, which when you think of the different things you could do, that is highly important. When it comes to your spiritual care, he is actually even more important in my mind than your doctor. Uh, the, the, the spiritual body lasts longer, your soul, than your physical body. Scripture would also say that a worker then is worth their wages. So it is not bad. When Jesus sent out his disciples teaching and preaching, he said, don't take a bag, don't take money. The people will provide. They will bring you in. They will serve you. And, and so, again, you don't have to worry about creating your own. What it says in Timothy is this other part of the scripture, that the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. What happens when the sheep go wrong is when a, a congregation also starves out its pastor, not paying a fair wage in the area that they do ministry in. Now, I am so glad I'm not a pastor because all of this would be super awkward. These are principles over good and bad shepherds. But what I can say from my experience here, if, I, if, if you'd permit me to get a little personal, is I have only sensed double honor. And it is my privilege to do this work among you. If you want to know, too, and this is a little awkward, I am not part of the salary discussions when it comes to, to my role here. I, I gladly give that over to the people of the church, and we are so well taken care of. Thank you very much. But the good and the bad, and what to be aware of, may it guard you. So bad shepherds, again, and how they handle green, but bad shepherds are also uh, labeled by the, the color yellow, which, if you watch Back to the Future, uh, is about cowardice. For, for God goes on and says this about bad shepherds. says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So the bad shepherd does not help the sheep in times of trouble. And I was thinking of how this might play out in the spiritual state of things today. To talk about this. Do you have experiences when, when you want to do something, which you might not know if you have enough money for, or don't even know if it's necessarily right, you know who to call if you want to hear a condoning voice. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, let's just set up a hypothetical. Let's say you want to buy a $200 pair of shoes. You know who to call up because they have them already, maybe two pairs. And, and you're, you're going to ask them, you know, sh should I go ahead with the $200 pair of shoes? You, you know who to ask if you want the answer you're looking for. You know what I'm saying? What is interesting is that Christians today can sometimes do this when it comes to their personal convictions on how to live. That when it comes to sometimes how you're cared for, what you can do is you can gather around you the people and the teachers who just tell you what you want to hear. But I got to tell you that the good shepherds will not just tell you what you want to hear. If you have a good shepherd, they may challenge, they may confront some things that you previously thought of. This is part of being a good shepherd. For God told us about the sign of times. He, he said this was, was going to happen. Time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
So what do we find? A good shepherd is one who's going to tell you the truth, what God said, whether it's easy to hear or not. Now, this should be done with gentleness and respect, but shouldn't be afraid to address what is actually going on when it comes to the heart and the will of God. If I could sum it all up, though, do you know what the bad shepherds are like? Bad shepherds care more for themselves than the sheep or the good shepherd. This was true of the Pharisees. It can even be true today. Lord, let this be a place where there'd be good shepherding. Lord, let this be the place where church leadership could give great examples, not only of myself, but all who are serving, all who represent amazing love. Lord, let this be a place where we could represent you, not in a perfect way, but in a noble and a good way. Dear friends, something i got to be honest with is as much as we strive and pray those prayers, you're not going to find a perfect church or a perfect pastor, but you'll always see me striving to be more and more like Jesus every day by his power, by his strength. But what about the sheep again? What is the role of the sheep in all of this? You know, I was struck by a verse. When, when it talked about the bad shepherds, the, it was verse 8. It says, all who come are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And I was like, yes, the sheep didn't listen to them. Good, they just heard the voice of Jesus. They were able to wade through it. Awesome. But then my experience with walking with people is that sometimes they didn't separate what was the voice of a bad shepherd from the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus. Why didn't they do that? And so if you want to be a good sheep, let me give you an illustration. I heard that rubber bands can make a watermelon explode. Have you heard this? It's an experiment done in grade schools that if you put enough rubber bands around a watermelon, uh, that you'll have a fantastic display, almost like a, a firework going off, boom. And so I went and I tested this theory. Um, this is fun in the Bloomer household, right? And so here we are. We were gathered for uh, searching and investigating. Do rubber bands actually make a watermelon explode? I, I, I got three bags of rubber bands. And I thought, honestly, that this would take maybe 15 minutes. It did not. I thought, honestly, that three bags of rubber bands would be enough. It was not. And so um, after about 40 minutes of investigating... I got to a point where I don't know if rubber bands will explode a watermelon, but I do know that rubber bands and a wiffle ball bat, well, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. All right. I investigated. Thank you for permitting a silly example. But I investigated to see if a claim was true. Do rubber bands blow up a watermelon? Rubber bands and a wiffle bat, bat do. Um, what I find and where I'm going with this is why? Why have we stopped investigating what we heard from a church leader? Why have we let a church leader's voice 
rise above what Scripture has said without investigating, was this the voice of Jesus or was this the voice of a bad representation of Jesus? Was this the voice of a bad shepherd? See, see what we learn as far as being good sheep is that good sheep search Scripture to find the truth. We, we don't just have hearsay. We go back to what the Bible has revealed and, and we investigate, is this really what God has said? And that's why I love this environment called Starting Point, which we're starting next, next week. We get to dive into the Word of God and investigate uh, why we believe what we believe. And you get to ask questions. You, you get to search it out for yourself as God has preserved his voice for us through the word. This kind of reminds me of being a Berean Christian. There were uh, Christians in Berea who were praised for their noble character. Look, look what happened. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day, to see if what Paul said was true. Now, Paul, is he a good or a bad shepherd? He's really, really good. But what were the good sheep still doing? Even with the good shepherd, they were going back and saying, is this actually the voice of Jesus I hear through Paul? Is this actually something reliable that I can trust in? And so there we have it. I'm glad I helped you with your bad church experience. But does it cut us to the heart a little bit? As you know, as a pastor, I approach this with humility. I wish I were perfect. <laughs> I wish tomorrow I could be Jesus. <laughs> I think it would help the sheep. But maybe the sheep could also admit, man, we, we got some work to do. See, see, what I also don't get is sometimes how the sheep let the thief in. They nudge open the door for the wolf. Right? We don't avoid the devil. We like to sometimes play around. What I also don't understand always is how there are many people today who've given up on the flock and given up on the good shepherd because they didn't decipher that this was a bad representation. Do you know any Christians who've given up on the church because of a misrepresentation of who Jesus was? So maybe there's work not only for the sheep, but the shepherd for all of us. But what's the value of coming together? What's the value of the church? It's knowing that this place is not centered on any shepherd but the good shepherd. This place is centered on Jesus Christ. And when you see him and wade through all the imperfections of a church gathering, he is worth it every time. When you hear his voice, he can change the day, change your life, and change eternity. And so the good shepherd is so worth it to work through and wade through any imperfections that you might experience along the way. He's that beautiful. For what do we know of the good shepherd? The good shepherd says, I will lead you into pasture. The good shepherd, he brings protection See, see, we live in a world that is much like the earthquakes. Do you hear of the earthquakes going on in California? 7.1, largest earthquake in the last 20 years. One of the news stories I heard is that those who are on Space Mountain got to see what Space Mountain actually looked like. They turned on all the lights, and they had to be uh, 
walked into safety because of this earthquake. I bring this up because doesn't life sometimes feel like the world is shaking? So doesn't it just be unsettling sometimes because we can't stop change and we can't stop what's going on? But the good shepherd turns on the lights and he says, child, here's where you go for safety and here's where you don't go if you want to stay safe. I can lead you if you listen. I was at Trinity this past week and they're doing a, a Bible reading challenge. And you might know we love reading the Bible here. They're in the book of Proverbs. And if you want a book that will guide you into safe paths, guide you in ways that are wise and, and, and ways to avoid what is foolish, the book of Proverbs will do that for your life as you listen to the good shepherd. What else does he do, do to protect us? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with snake charmers. Um, I, I grew up as a kid. Sometimes you'd see cartoons with them playing the flute and the snake coming out. Uh, but I have recently learned something about snake charmers. That in India, the reason that they can look so brave, even with this king cobra, is because of something they do to the snake. Do you want to know what they do to the snake? Animal rights activists are not happy about this. But what they usually do is they take the fangs out. In some cases, they even sew the mouth shut. And this isn't very good for the snake, but it is very easy then on that snake charmer not to look afraid. Right? Now, I'm not saying do that with snakes, but the, the Bible today says there's a wolf. There's a wolf that wants to attack you. His name is the devil. That wolf comes to your life, and he says, you are too unlovely that you are unlovable. That wolf says what you have done is shameful and sinful. He accuses all day long, wants to get you to live in fear and grief and anxiety. He comes with his teeth. But Jesus comes with his cross. And he takes the teeth out of the wolf. Because if you know the good shepherd, you know you have the right for forgiveness. There is no one today or tomorrow or yesterday that has to live in guilt or shame. The cross of Jesus covers every one of our sins so that we can be at peace. Our good shepherd also clothes his sheep in white. Through faith in him, our Heavenly Father sees perfection. We are considered perfect simply through faith in the perfect and the righteous one. You are protected today from that wolf who would like to steal your innocence, who would like to destroy your soul, who would like to slaughter you. We are protected through the good shepherd and his rod, his truth, his comfort. He's worth seeing, isn't he? Do you deal with guilt and shame? Do you deal with fear and anxiety? He's worth claiming every Sunday. But there's more to this good shepherd. See, the good shepherd, he, he brings provision. He said, I have come that you might have life and not having it sparingly, but have it abundantly to the full. And we need to wrestle a little bit. What is this full life that, that he's talking about? It's interesting that many times we look at abundant, full life through the lens of social media, don't we? We know if we're living a full life based on the comparison to other people's Facebook page, how their Instagram looks. Um, I, I heard a clever phrase from a pastor about this, uh, a, a, a poem, really. Uh, th this is how we operate. Facebook, Facebook, tell me how my life should look. Instagram, Instagram, 
tell me who I really am. And this is what we do, don't we? We see what other people are doing, how they look, and now in comparison, we say, oh, I don't know if I'm living such an abundant life. But can I wade through that lie? I don't think that social media is a foolproof test over someone who's living an abundant life. I believe it might be even actually some posturing and lies going on that's just a, a guess of mine, right? We don't post our worst days, we post our best days. And what I know is that social media will not display the abundant life that God is talking about. Of a life lived more in tune with Him and His will. See, there aren't many Facebook posts about how good it is to live generously and to trust God with the first fruits. But I tell you, the life that is truly life, an abundant life, is seeing that you can't outgive the giver, is seeing his daily provision as you trust him with what he gave you. No one may post about it, but Christians know the abundance of that life. An Instagram picture, it may never show how someone through the power of the Spirit was able to overcome an addiction and is no longer held hostage to the thing that held them down. But I tell you that that is the abundant life that Jesus offers. He breaks the chains. He is the one that can't make us perfect but can give progress to whatever we're wrestling with. And social media may never show that on Instagram. We have bucket list items on Facebook of vacations and things that we've done. But no one really posts about what it was to share their faith or invite people to church. And yet I tell you, when God uses your light to bring others to the light of the world, there is nothing more satisfying, no, no check in the box I'd rather check than that one of someone who found Jesus through my life. Yes, he's come to give you life and life fully. But one final thing I want to close with is the love of God. And I could, I could say so much could say so much. I don't know if it struck you that the Father loves Jesus because of Jesus laying down his life, which is kind of like you ever had a proud parent moment, like you love your children for how they love someone else and what the good they did. It's just, ah. Oh. And so the Father loves you so much that Jesus loves you, but he loves that Jesus is loving you and loves us because it's just like a circle of love, right? But, but then also it talks about how well we are known. See, see Jesus said in this that as he knows the Father, so much does he know you and I. And that kind of blew my mind. Be because I don't know if you've ever dealt with the insecurity of not being really known. The insecurity of going to a job where you have your work side, but no one really knows your life. The insecurity of having a lot of people around, but no one really knows what makes you tick or what's going on. I dealt with this insecurity recently. I was at Starbucks and I wanted to invite someone to soccer camp but I wasn't sure I knew them. But me being stupid and kind of brave, I, I chanced it anyway. But I got to tell you, there was some insecurity wondering, will they know I'm Pastor Bloomer, or, or will they just think, like, that was weird, right? If you can relate to this on any level, the insecurity of being unknown, I need to tell you, you're a good shepherd. You don't have to remind him of anything. You don't have to tell him your birthday, he planned it. You don't have to tell him your name, he knows it. You don't have to tell him what you're struggling with, he gets it because he knows you. As he knows the Father, so he knows the sheep. How awesome that we can live known every day. 
that I don't even have to explain it because he gets what I need, how much love, and he's with me, how good this is. So you want to know the shepherd, why it's worth it to see him. It's the shepherd who knows us the most and also cares for us the most. Over and over in the scripture, he said, I lay down my life, I lay down my life, I lay down my life. And if you're a Bible scholar, what you need to know is that it's repeated for emphasis. And I paused and I thought, out of all the people who live, who's ever sacrificed their life for me? As we were celebrating our nation's independence, only two people came up. Those who have fought and died so that we could have freedom here, and also Jesus. I consider this that I found on the internet, a great quote about only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you. Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul, the other for your freedom. Why is our church called Amazing Love? Friends, he died to know you. He died so that you could be saved. He did it by his own authority, by his own choice, because his love went that far. And that is why it's worth it to wade through any difficulty to see our beautiful Good Shepherd. Friends, don't give up on the church. Don't give up on imperfect shepherds who tell you about him. But see him always. And may you be blessed by doing it. Amen.